Thank you for tuning in to Journey Church's podcast. We are so excited to present our new sermon series, You Asked For It, where we hit the top six topics requested by all of you. Hope you enjoy. Hey, I want to share some, some news. I know that, um, and I want to have a special prayer. I know a lot of people have been asking about Hurricane Harvey in Houston and what are we doing as a church to mobilize? And I want you to know we have already sent a significant offering to Hurricane Harvey victims and we are, we are going to become a part of the rebuilding process in the city of Houston financially. And I want you to know that, that when you give to Journey Church, you don't give to a, a building, you're giving to a cause. And so we are going to pick up the cause of all those families who have been displaced. In addition to that, yesterday we had, I don't know, 20 people who were making hygiene packs with our Serve Saturday team, um, partnering with nonprofits, sending hygiene packs to, uh, to Houston as well. We want to pray for them um, as well. And then after we finish praying, I'm going to let you know something else you can do. Uh, well, I'll just tell you now, um, every month we have an allotted, uh, allotted source of, of money that kind of gets funneled in automatically to, uh, to Facebook. We do that for promotional reasons and marketing reasons. Just let people know that we're in the area. Share some of our content. Well, we've worked it out, and I'll make a long story short. We've worked it out where you can partner with us today just by checking in to Facebook. on your For everybody who checks into Facebook, checks into Journey Church on Facebook, you are automatically donating $1 to Hurricane Harvey Relief Victims. We're going to be doing that all month long, all throughout the month of September. And so when I finish saying amen and I ask you to sit, I want you to go ahead and pull out your phone and I'll give you permission in church to log on to Facebook. Don't just be checking your news feed. Don't be looking through photos. Check into Journey Church. Close that thing so you can receive a word. But just by checking in, you're already you're supporting uh, the financial recovery process. And so we're going to do everything that we can all, uh, all, uh, all month long to help those, those victims. And so just know that you have a part in that. And that's what we love to do. Uh, at church. We don't believe that this four walls here are, are the extension of us. We, we want to we go outside of them. We want to make an impact. So, uh, hey, we were praying for our storm. Now let's pray for their storm. All right. There's a lot of families who came, came home to no home. Um, a lot of uh, children who lost parents, uh, parents who lost grandparents, um, spouses who, who, who lost husbands and wives, jobs have been have gone. And, and, uh, and we have a responsibility as the church. Prayer is not our last resort. It is our first response. We don't do it because there's nothing else to do. We do it because it's the best thing that we can do. Amen. So let's just stretch our hands out symbolically towards every family that's hurting. Father, we love you and we thank you. We know that you hear us when we pray. We know that your spirit surrounds the world. It surrounds the earth, God. That means that you're not just with us here in Winter Park, Florida. You're also in Houston. You are in all the suburbs of Houston and all the urban cities. You're with every home that has been destroyed, with every family that has been displaced, with every senior citizen who has no home to, to, to care for them, uh, with everyone who's lost their job. God, we saw you uh, bring the waters to a recession. You've done that before. That, that's easy. That's small potatoes for you, God. And so we pray right now that waters recede in the name of Jesus. Right now, waters recede in the name of Jesus. Should you begin to do a miracle, Lord? We pray that you would continue to provide the funds, that you continue to provide the job opportunities, Lord, that you would get that community back up on its feet and that it would be an opportunity, Lord, for the church to show off your glory. That people could say, hey, we're grateful for the Coast Guard. We're grateful for the National Guard. We're grateful for all the government support. But boy, the way the church got together, God must be real. Jesus must be real. The Holy Spirit must be here. Because for so many people of different colors, backgrounds, faiths, religions, to come together to support one cause, you must be real, God. And so let this storm be a testimony of your spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
and amen. Hey, I want you to hug three people and then you can have a seat. Hug, go ahead and hug three people. Hug them, hug them. We're a hugging church. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody who didn't have Labor Day plans and so you came to church. Good morning. I'm just kidding. I told that to somebody when they came in. I said, man, thank you for not having Labor Day weekend plans. And she said, are you kidding? This was my Labor Day weekend plan. And I thought, well, that's cool. Church was never, ever a plan for me growing up. Um, I would plan things to get out of church, you know. I never planned to go to church. And so I am grateful uh, that, uh, that, that God has, has uh, brought amazing leaders, amazing worship. How about worship today? Would you give it up for the worship team? And Yeah, just amazing, amazing people. You amazing. And, and so the church is actually something that we look forward to. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about, about that. And so uh, we are about to go into the last installment of a six-week series that we have entitled, You Asked For It. And if this is your first time here, my name is JJ, and I'm the lead pastor, and I'm so glad that you're with us this Sunday. And this sermon series is based around a survey that we conducted on Easter, where we asked everybody who came on Easter, uh, if you could pick one topic to talk about, what would that topic be? And they picked six topics, and we, they, they picked a lot of topics, but we picked the top six topics, and we decided to build a sermon series around those things. We didn't want our messages to be irrelevant. We didn't want to preach things or talk about things that were important to us. We wanted to talk about things that were important to you, that you were going through in your life right now. And so today we're going to talk about the number one thing. People ask me, why didn't you start with the number one thing? Because if we would have started with the number one thing, then you wouldn't have come back. See, so I had to save the number one thing for this week to make you keep coming back for this, for this weekend. And we're getting ready to go into an exciting season of our, of our church. We're, we're finishing this 21 days of prayer. We finished that. We finished this sermon series, but man, some exciting stuff. I already know you heard Eddie share it, but Heart and Soul is going to happen this Wednesday. And if you're, if you call Journey Church home, you want to be a Heart and Soul. It's going to be at the Winter Park Farmer's Market, and uh, it is uh, going to be a lot of fun, a lot of laughing. It's not your typical service. There's going to be a lot of fun. Um, there's going to be an extended time of worship. We take Holy Communion. We offer prayer. And uh, it's just going to be a blast. And also the location, the venue is awesome if you've ever been uh, to the farmer's market before. And then in two weeks, um, we've got Vision Sunday, which is our one-year anniversary as a church. I can't believe that we have already spent just one year. We're excited about all the victories. I want to say a big shout-out and thank you to everyone who has been with us from the very beginning. Um, we are so grateful for you who came, got that mailer, and you gave us a shot. And, 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 and it's been amazing. Wait till you hear the numbers the salvations. Wait till you hear the amount of money that we've given away. It's going to inspire you. Um, we actually filmed a 20-minute documentary, and so you're going to come on Sunday, you're going to see actually a, a, a movie, a short film of what God has done in the last uh, 12 months of our church, and then we're going to take the last, the last uh, 15 minutes to let you know where we're going, and we have some exciting things to share with you, to announce. Um, it's just exciting times, exciting times, and so anyway, I want to get right into what God has for us. Uh, time is running, and, uh, and you did you did ask this question. It was the number one question you asked, and it was, how do I handle stress? Yeah, stress. If you're stressed out this morning, just blink at me. Yeah. So you can't stop blinking because that is actually a product of your stress. You just, you just wake up blinking, just, just got so much stress. But it makes sense that you would ask that question, by the way, 44% of Americans say that they are more stressed today than they were five years ago, which is actually up 10% and continues to increase 10% every year. You can imagine that. 
one out of five people, one out of five people report extreme stress. You know what extreme stress is? Extreme stress is stress that manifests itself physically, stress that manifests itself in headaches, in back pains, in chest pains, uh, in, in the inability to breathe, in depression. Uh, and I think one of the most startling statistics is that studies have shown that 60% of all illnesses and sicknesses are not pathogen-borne, that is, bacteria or viruses, but is actually stress-borne. 60%. We are literally um, being stressed to death. We are sick. We are sick of stress uh, that is happening uh, in, our, in our lives. And, and I actually know people in my family. I know friends who have experienced this form of stress. It's really, it's not really stress. At that point, it becomes anxiety. And if you've never experienced anything like this, you're probably quick to dismiss it. But if you've ever personally experienced it or know someone who's experienced it, you would know that it's the real deal. Um, I've had friends who have called 911, family members who have called 911 because they thought they were having a heart attack. And when the ambulance came and started to check up on them, they found out it actually wasn't a heart attack. It was an anxiety attack. And when they find that out, there's two senses that come over them, a sense of uh, relief and then a sense of concern. A sense of concern because they don't know what to do and uh, they don't want it to happen again, but also a sense of relief because they found out what it was. And as I heard that story, I feel like I stumbled onto a truth in that when you figure what, what's going on, when you figure out what's going on, there's almost a sense of relief because I would say that the opposite of anxiety is not peace. I would say the opposite of anxiety is clarity. Because the reason why we get anxious is because we don't know what's happening or what's going to happen. But when we figure out what's happening and we figure out what's going to happen, there's a sense of rest that comes over us. That's actually the subtitle of my message. The title is talked, How to Handle Stress, because I know that people, when they go through the podcast, they look for the thing that like, ministers to them the most. I'm just like, we're just going to put it right out there. How to handle stress, I guarantee you, is going to have the most listens that we've ever had. But my subtitle would be this. The cure for anxiety is clarity. Because I really believe clarity is what solves the issue. I, 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 I figured this out one day when my wife gave me a call. I was on a ministry trip. I was in Georgia uh, ministering, and then we went out to eat. And it's 1030, and my wife hates to be home alone, like hates to be home alone. Anybody like that? You just don't like to be alone? Raise your hand if that's you. Okay. Yeah, my wife doesn't like that, to be home alone. When I'm, when I'm not there, she'll actually make the kids sleep in her bed which I, I don't like that because I feel like, one, I'm being replaced, and then, two, they're excited for when I go on trips. They look forward to me leaving. This isn't good. Uh, I can't wait to stay in mommy's bed. And, and, and then if the kids aren't there, she'll actually sleep with Blue, our dog, our boss of terror. She hates to be alone. So one day she calls me. I'm on this trip. She calls me. It's about 1030 at night, and, and, and I'm picking up because 1030, you know, that's an emergency. If something's going on at 1030, I'm at Applebee's. I'm hanging out with the people who invited us to go to church. And she's like, babe, babe. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? She's like, I think there's someone in the house. <laughs> to which I'm like, then why are you calling me? Girl, hang up and 911 is who you need to be on the phone with at this moment. You're calling me, I can't do anything from here. You know, but I'm at Applebee's, but she's like, no, 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 I don't know. I heard a sound, I heard a sound, and, uh, and I, think, I think it's somebody, but I don't know. Just stay on the phone with me, just stay on the phone with me. No lie. I'm at Applebee's, guys. It's awkward, there's people hanging out, talking. Hey, everything okay? Yeah, my wife just, just thinks somebody's in the house, and, you know. So I'm literally, 
watching. There's also, it's about the time the NBA playoffs are going on. So the playoffs are on the Apple screen and I'm on my phone and I'm like, she's like, I think someone's here. Uh-huh. Yeah. After like 25 minutes, I figured, I figured, okay, that person either has gotten what they've came for or they're gone, if they're even there. And so she said, oh, I heard it again. And so I told her, which in hindsight is terrible advice. I said, but well, why don't you just go check it out? <laughs> which is funny because that's the exact action that I criticize in every horror movie I've ever seen. When they hear the thing and the person, the girl, it's always the, always the girl. She's like, she goes down, she's like, what was that? And I'm like, why would you go to the noise? Never go to the noise. Especially if you're a minority. You are killed within the first 15 minutes of that thing. Let's keep it real, guys. That's how it is. And so, but I, here I was telling him to do the exact same thing that I make fun of in the, in the movie. But the reason why, I went, and she went down, and it was nothing, and she went to bed. Why? Because sometimes you have to face it and get clear on it, what it is and what it is not, in order for peace to come into your life. That's how clarity works. Clarity is the cure for anxiety. Because anxiety is, I wonder what's going to happen. But then when you go and you realize it was a squirrel, then you can rest at peace. And so that's what I want to do for you today. I want to bring some clarity to your situation. And I'm praying that that clarity is then going to cure the anxiety that so many of us suffer as people, not even, you know, just Americans, but just people. And so we got to kind of find out where it comes from. And so I assembled a list of the top 14 things that I believe, um, you know, cause, uh, can cause anxiety within us. And so I think we have them here. The first one is, sort of on the screen, relationships. Relationships can cause anxiety. Um, the people that you know, your friends, or the people who, you know, they think they're your friends, but you kind of just love them because the Bible tells you to. And it's just, sometimes they just bring a lot of stress um, into your life. And so relationships can definitely cause you some, some stress. What's next? Conflict, right? I, I'm not a big conflict guy. I don't like conflict. Um, sometimes we have to do it, but, but fights can cause stress. You don't want to be there. Uh, some of you are sitting next to your stress, okay? Um, <laughs> married uh, can be, being married can be stressful, and, uh, and that can be, uh, but also similarly, uh, be, not being married can also be stressful. Um, just as stressful sometimes as being married. And so that can be a cause of stress. Another form of uh, deadlines. Uh, deadlines, you know, uh, you have a job that operates on a timeline and you need to submit your work by then. Maybe if you're a student, you've got those midterms or those finals you have to do. Deadlines can be super stressful. Legal problems. Uh, the other day my wife called me. She said, babe, I think we're being sued. I was like, what? And then it turns out we weren't. It was just a creditor wanting some, some money that we didn't have. And so... Um, <laughs> And so legal problems can be stressful. Uh, divorce can be stressful. That's not just stressful on you. That can be stressful on the kids if there's other people involved in that, on, on the extended family. A uh, new job can be stressful, having to figure out the onboarding process. Um, uh, no job. No job can be as equally, <laughs> as equally stressful. Not having a job. Illness, sickness, and I don't just mean a cold. Some of you guys, I'll just call it the guys because it's always the guys or big babies whenever you get stomach aches and... And just, just, I'm going to die. And there are people um, who, who suffer from chronic illness, who are carrying sicknesses with them since they've been 17, and now they're 30, and they just, they can't. That's a, that could be a stressful situation where the doctor tells you there is no cure. Uh, you just have to live with it. Um, that can be super stressful. Uh, parenting, come on, somebody. I'm just going to skip this point real quick, because if not, you lose respect for your pastor. Parenting can be a stressful situation. Um, the expectation of others 
can be stressful. When you allow other people to place an expectation on you that you don't want or that you never asked for, um, and that can be stressful that you're not meeting their expectation. Um, this is a big one. I'll just take 15 seconds and hang out here. Unresolved sin can be very stressful um, because it, it's a, it means you're living a, kind of like a double life thing, kind of like people know you publicly, but they don't know you personally, and then the stress of having to maintain two personas can get really stressful. The stress of holding in something that you wish you could share with somebody um, can get really stressful. And I just want to encourage you, if you came to church today uh, with unresolved sin, I don't think that I'm better than you. I think that I'm just as bad as you. The difference is I'm here because I know that I'm just as bad as you, and I'm willing to share that struggle and that issue and that hurt and that pain with other people. So I just want to encourage you, don't leave here today with unresolved sin. Leave it at the altar. Leave it at God's, at God's feet because he can, he can rescue and he can deliver you. Now, and finally, the Orlando magic uh, is just... Just, what is going on? We're all Florida teams. Any Gators fans in the house? Oh, my God. No, no, you can't cheer right now. He's got destroyed. FSU got destroyed. No Florida teams are good. And sports in general can be so stressful. Sometimes I ask myself, why do I care so much? Why do I care so much? I literally had to pray after the football game last, yesterday. I had to pray because I was preparing for the sermon. I'm like, God, what the fine. My heart, get me right. And my son is trying to understand why I'm so passionate about sport. And as he's talking to me, I just feel more and more guilty about me caring so much. He's like, Daddy, you're playing, right? He thinks I'm in the game. I was like, I was like, it's our team, it's our team, it's our team. He's like, oh, you're playing? I'm like. I'm like, well, uh, no. He's like, well, I don't see you on the screen. I was like, yeah. You're right. He's like. But you said that's our team, and you said that we scored. I was like, well, well, I went to school there, and, uh, and so I'm like, man, it's so dumb. And so he's talking to me, and I'm kind of bringing this all out as I'm going along. And so, so what we need here is we need some, we need some clarity. Because actually the Latin root word of anxious, would you be interested to, to know? Sure, I'll tell you. The Latin root word of anxious, is, it's interesting, is actually to choke. It's actually to choke, and that's the thing, you see? Because there's so much of it. See, because I, I, I could spend an hour on each one of those things, but it, it wouldn't help, I don't think. It wouldn't help because, um, one, you know, I don't think diagnosing the issue helps any more than researching symptoms on WebMD, right? Like, it doesn't make you healthier. You just, if anything, you just leave more freaked out. You're like, oh, gosh, I've got cancer. That's what it says um, on a thing, and that's not good. And so, you know, diagnosing the issue is not, is not going to help necessarily. And, and spending, spending time on, on, on these things wouldn't help either because for many of us, it's not just one thing. I went through this exercise with my wife, and I'm like, babe, you have to get clarity. Let's go through the list. She's like, you're not helping me right now. I'm like, what? She's like, because there's about eight things on that list, and I can't get it down. I'm choking on it all. And so, and so instead of just being clear on the source, we're going to get clarity on the solution on how to, on how to, on how to, how to solve it. And so it's, it's a lot at once. Here's what the Bible says uh, in, the, in the book of, of Psalms. Many are the afflictions, many are the afflictions of the righteous person, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. And the word afflictions there is actually a reference to an Assyrian form of torture. And if you know anything about the Assyrians, because I know they, you know they taught that in second grade. If you learn anything about the Assyrians, the ancient, they probably didn't. It was a joke. You didn't get it? Okay. So the Assyrians are actually infamous for um, having just terrible forms of torture. One of the forms of torture that they would employ was that they would tie you up to a stake and they, they would pile on you rock after rock after rock 
until it literally crushed you or you suffocated to death. It was a slow and it was a painful death. And that's what that word afflictions is referencing to. And I think that's so, so applicable for that feeling of stress and anxiety that we struggle with. Because some of us, we feel like that. If they just put one more rock on me, if they just put one more stone on me, I am either going to crush, I'm either going to get crushed or I am going to suffocate. I cannot take one more stone. And my heart goes out to you. Not because, I'm, I'm, not because I figured it out and because I'm, I'm looking down. My heart goes out to you because here's what I know and here's what anybody who's over 60 years old knows. One more stone is coming. One more stone is coming. That's how life works. The verse says many are the afflictions of the righteous. You don't just get stones on you because you're doing bad things or you're living a crazy life. Sometimes it's your faithfulness that brings on more stones. The Bible says that if you're faithful with the little, you will be given much more. He didn't say if you're faithful with the little, I'll take everything from you. He said, if you're faithful with the little, I'm going to give you even more. And so we don't want God to stop giving to us. We need to learn how to manage it. Liz and I laugh about this all the time because we're like, our life has gotten more stressful every single year since we decided to follow Jesus. It's just true. Now, sir, some people who are probably contemplating whether or not to make that decision, don't decide yet. Let me give you the rest of the information before you make that decision. Let me, our lives have gotten more stressful. Our, the, the level of ministry, at first we were responsible for a group of 20 kids. And then from 20 kids, it grew to a, 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 a district of 2,000 kids. And then a church of 400 kids. And now we're launching this church, and, we, and, and, it's, and the stress has, has increased. But the reward has increased too. You know? And so I, I feel bad for people who have nothing to worry about. Because that means... If you have nothing to worry about, you probably have nothing. Like, you're a loser if you have nothing to worry about. Because that means that you have nothing. You have nothing on your plate. You got nothing to worry about. You're just chilling. You are living in someone's basement. Before I doesn't have basements. But you are living in someone's spare bedroom. And you got nothing to worry about. Nothing. And so I said it like this so that, so that you can remember it. Don't pray for a stress-free life. Because a stress-free life is a blessed-free life. That means that you don't have enough to be stressed out about. That means that God has withhold his blessings from you. And so let me encourage you. It's not, about, it's not about things coming off of you as much. And sometimes we need to, right? We need to kind of audit our time and all these things. But it's about being able to manage the blessings that God has given you so that he can give you even more. That's what it's about. And so you got to learn that. you got to learn how to manage that. And, uh, and here's how we're going to do it. We're going to bring clarity, okay? We're going to bring clarity. And there's three things you can do you can do today that you can bring clarity to. So, so those, those, papers, those pieces of paper that are next to you are not just for first-time guests. They're for you to take notes. And so I'd encourage you to go ahead and, and take notes. And the first thing you want to do is you want to clarify your fountain. Clarify your fountain. What do I mean by fountain? Well, you know, Israel, back in the biblical times, its, it's topography was very intentional. The way the land was formed was very intentional. God brought them into Israel for a reason. He could have kept them in Egypt. He could have helped them overthrow the Egyptians. But there was a problem with Egypt. It had the Nile River running through it. He could have given them Babylon, and, but there was a problem with Babylon. Babylon. Babylon had the Tigris River running through it. He could have given them Assyria, but Assyria had the Euphrates River running through it. Instead, he brings them to Israel that has very little bodies of water. Why? Because he was trying to teach them something about God. He didn't want them to depend on the ground. He wanted them to look to the sky for their sustenance. And so Israel is a country that has six months of rain and six months of dryness. And you got to pray to God. And so they would pray to the Lord for the rain. He was using their geology to shape their theology. He wanted them to realize, I want you to depend on me. And sometimes God will do that, by the way. He will bring you into a dry place so that you can call out to him for the rain. And you're wondering why he brought you there? It's so that he could establish your theology, so that you could understand what he wants from you. He wants you to call out to him. 
But whenever the rainy seasons weren't happening, the only way you could get water was from a fountain. What is a fountain? Some of you guys are thinking water fountains. Some of you guys are thinking springs. Think of more like Wakiva Springs. 60% of Florida's water actually comes from underground. Those are fountains, okay? They form big bodies, bodies of water. Well, well back in, the, in, in Israel's time, that's what fed them through the dry seasons. And so these fountains became so vital that it actually became a nickname for God. You'll often read in the book of Psalms, the Lord being referred to as the fountain of living water. The fountain of life, which is exactly what God was going for. Because here's another thing about fountains. At the time, there were no aqueducts, so you couldn't bring the water from the fountain to your house, to your host, to your house, house, to your house. You actually had to go there and pick it up. But there weren't, the, the women usually did that, and the women didn't have jars big enough to bring enough for the whole week, is where it comes around. So they could only carry enough for a day. In other words, the symbolism of the fountain for the Lord became important and symbolic because the Lord was saying, I want to set myself up in your life in such a way that you come to me every day. So here's my question and how it relates to your anxiety. What do you go to daily? What do you go to daily? Clarify your fountain. And by clarify your fountain, I'm not meaning tell me what your fountain is. I assume in advance what the majority of you will say, okay? We, 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 we pride ourselves on being a church with people who don't go to church come to. And so it's, if, you're not, if you don't identify as a Christian today, then I'm not talking about you. But, but I would say that the majority of people in this church would say, well, God is my fountain. Well, God is my fountain. God is my fountain. Amen. But, but I don't mean clarify as in tell me who your fountain is. I mean clarify as in I think it's time to make it clear. Because here's what it says in Proverbs 25, 25. Like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. But like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. I believe that God is your fountain, but I also believe that your fountain is polluted. What do I mean by that? Well, back in the biblical times, if you know anything about the history of Israel, you know that God kind of destroyed that nation because of idolatry. They were inviting other gods into their life. One of the biggest misconceptions is that the Israelites actually left God and went to serve foreign gods, but that actually didn't happen. They never left God. What they did was they added the gods of their culture to the pantheon of their gods. And so it wasn't that they left God to serve Baal, it was that they served Baal in addition to serving God. In other words, and that's what Proverbs is talking about, Proverbs is saying, hey, the problem isn't that you left me. I gotta, I gotta bring it more, more real. The, the, the issue isn't that we leave our faith. The issue is what we let into our faith that muddies and pollutes our faith. Let me make it even more practical. You cannot come to church for one and a half hours a week Get all the peace from that one and a half hours a week and expect, out, expect that to outwork the two to three hours average a person spends on their phone a day. Now, this is never be a church that pokes, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to condemn. I'm just saying you got to be careful because what's coming through your phone is muddying what's coming out of here. And what's coming through your phone is, is muddying your faith. This is what happened when I woke up today. You want to you know why we're so anxious? I swear to you, this is, not, this is not an example. I did not make this up. This is not fake. I wake up this morning, my alarm goes off. You know, I, like, I love that new Apple setting, that like go to bed alarm, because the song that it picks when you wake up is beautiful. It sweetly transitions me from my dream into reality. And so I wake up to that song, and I'm like, oh, this is so good. I go to my phone, I, I, I turn it. As soon as, hear me, as soon as I turn, Shut off my alarm, I get a Twitter notification. North Korea has just successfully tested a hydrogen bomb. Well, good morning, world. Before I can even gather my consciousness, 
I might die tomorrow. Then I go to the bathroom. Many of us do. And while I'm sitting, many of us do, my phone begins to vibrate like crazy. I'm like, oh my goodness, what is going on? I haven't even had my coffee yet. What is going on? Amber alert. Now you know I'm not making it up because it happened to you too. Amber alert, 11-year-old girl lost. So now I've been awake for 15 minutes and I've got nuclear war and, and, some, and some runaway child, or not runaway, because I've been taken away, some taken away child who doesn't have, whose parents are looking for, and all of that is in my mind, and now I've got to come to church to preach. Within the first 15 minutes, and it'd be enough if that was just on the front end of our day, but what's the last thing we do before we go to bed every night? The last thing that we do. Social media, right? Last thing that we do. First, social media. And every other picture is a picture of what? A riot. A hurricane. A protest. And, and so we've got tragedy, 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 and you might say, well, well, you know, it's not all tragedy. Sometimes, yeah, you're right, it's not all tragedy. It'll be tragedy, 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 and then a picture of a perfect couple <laughs> on a yacht in Paris, sipping Chardonnay, perfect teeth, perfect hair, hashtag no filter, no filter. No filter? And you look like that? Why do I mention it? Because one and a half hours, one and a half hours a week and two hours of feeding, listen to me, your fear and your inferiority. A day. Two to three hours a day of feeding your fears and your inferiorities. And you expect that to outweigh the peace that comes from a pulpit in one and a half hours? It cannot compare. Listen, let me tell you something that I don't think any pastor would ever tell you, but Sunday was not designed to be permanent. And it doesn't make God weak. It was a part of his design. He didn't want to be the permanent. He wanted to be the fountain. He wanted you to get up every morning and come to him. He wanted you to go to bed at night and come to him. He wanted you at, at lunch break to come to him, to come to him, to come to him. You can't keep feeding your fears and inferiorities and starving your faith. You gotta feed your faith because let me tell you some good news. The peace of God is already inside of you. It's just being drowned out. The peace of God is already inside of you. It's just being drowned out. It's being diluted. Do you know what dilution is? My grandma used to do dilution. We didn't call it dilution, we called it multiplication. In my house, we never ran out of ketchup and we never ran out of Kool Aid. My grandma was on point with all of that. What she would do is she would take the cool, the moment the Kool-Aid started to go low, she added more water and add more water and add more water. The ketchup got low, no problem. Put a little more water, put a little more water, put a little more water. By week three, it was not ketchup. By week three, the Kool-Aid tasted like ketchup. It just, by, the, by week three, listen, by week three, the original substance had become so diluted that it was just red water. It was all red water. The ketchup was red water and the, and the Kool-Aid was red water. And let me tell you something, without feeding your faith on a weekly basis, the blood of Jesus just becomes red water. Just red water. Oh, you need another word for red water? I'll give it to you. Religion. Just religion. If it's something that lives in, a, in, a, in an isolated pocket of your life, then you cannot expect it to have an impact on the other six days of the week of your life. And so I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm actually trying to help you. I want you to know that the thing that you're seeking from God is actually inside of you, but the reason you're not experiencing it is not because it's not real. It's because it's being polluted. 
being polluted and is being diluted. So be excited that inside of your soul, the Prince of Peace lives. The Prince of Peace lives. We just can't allow the Prince of Peace to be polluted by our phone. And not just our phones, because I don't want to be specific about, about just that. About, about, you can, don't allow the people to pollute you either. Because there are some people that are just stressful people to be around, and you need to have the right boundaries to be able to, to, to keep them at a distance. I, I'm totally just going with my time. And so I'm going to just, next thing, next thing we got to clarify. First thing you need to do is clarify your fountain. You got to make it clear. Okay, the second thing you need to do is clarify your function. Your function, your function. Clarify your function. All of these start with an F, but you can remember them. That's why I spent all week on how I can make letters. <laughs> That's what I do. Clarify your function. Psalms chapter 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Here's what David is saying. David is saying, teach us to number our days because when we number our days, we're wise. Here's my question. How can that be? Because for me, knowing that my days are numbered is not a peaceful revelation. Because you know our days are numbered, right? I don't know what that number is. Could be 70 years, could be 60 years, 80 years. Your days are numbered. I don't know what that number is, but I will tell you that it's probably shorter than what you think it is. I could say that. Um, and I will, and I will, and I will, I don't understand. If I was writing that verse, I would have said, Lord, teach us the number of our days so that we may have a spirit of depression. That's how I would have wrote that verse. That makes more sense to me because I get depressed when I think about the fact that my life is short. But that's not what the psalmist says. And I think the reason why the psalmist doesn't say that is because he, he catches on to something. What does he catch on to? Well, my wife and I are big Disney goers. We go to Disney. That means we go to Disney. Is that a thing? I don't know. Disney goers. And, uh, Recently, we went to Epcot, and we tried a ride that we've never tried before. And it's amazing, like in three years, the first time we've ever tried a ride. Have you ever been on uh, Mission Space? Yeah, if you're listening to this on a podcast, Mission Space is this ride, if you've never been to Disney Epcot, where you get in, and it spins so fast that it simulates you, like, launching into space. And um, my wife, and so what happens is you get into this spaceship, and it's a simulator. It's like the G-forces. It just goes, it's a terrible ride. Never get on it. Um, it just spins so fast that it makes you feel like you're taking off. And then when you're in space, it starts to move, and then you have these missions. And that's when it gets crazy. Because there's five of you, and each one of you has a mission. For some people, it's blow up the asteroid. For other people, it's land, you know, the space rover. For other people, it's dodge the moon or, or loop, loop around the moon. And my job was to loop around the moon. This job was, I think, was to blow up the asteroid or something like that. And so, but she's already freaking out because she was nauseous before she got in there. And there was like a beginner's and like an expert. You know me. I'm just a guy. And I'm just like, we're going to expert, babe. We're going to expert. And it's like, while you're going there, there's warnings. Like, do not come here first. I'm like, we got that. Jesus, come on. I know. My days are numbered. I'm good. Um, so numbers are already set. And so I just go in. And so long story short, um, there's a timer. And you got to do your mission before the timer. And if you don't do it before the timer, all of a sudden, the guy who's hosting the mission space, he starts screaming, now, 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 now. And you're just like, because the whole mission relies on you. And so, and so Liz, is, she missed it. She missed the asteroid. And she's freaking out because she missed it. And I'm chilling because I did it. I knocked it out. He was screaming, now, now. I was like, it's now done. It's been done. I'm good. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Listen, I knew my time was short, and she knew her time was short. She was stressed, and I wasn't. We both knew our time was short, but what stressed us out was not that we had a short time. What stressed her out was because she had a mission that she knew she was put there to accomplish, and she was afraid that she wasn't going to accomplish it in the time that was given to her. I had peace because I knew what my mission was, and I was already doing it. 
In other words, some of the stress that we get in our life is because we don't know our function. We spend over half of our life trying to figure it out, and then whatever time is left trying to accomplish what we just figured out. And so we're 45, 45 thinking, I got it. But by that time, we're 45. And we're like, well, how much time do I have left to, to knock this thing out? And so if you, if you don't know what your function is, let me hit it real quickly. I, this is what the Bible teaches us that your function is. I'm going to teach you because there's two people here. The people who, who don't know what their function is and, and, and they're stressed out about it or people who do know what their function is, but they're stressed out because they think they're not living it. So let me give them both real quick. First thing you understand in your function is knowing God. We want you to have a relationship with Jesus. We do that through Sunday experiences, coming here and worshiping. The second thing you have to know is that your function, your function, not just having a relationship with Jesus, but also experiencing freedom. You were not created to carry the burdens from your past. You were not created to carry the hurt from your past. You were created to be free. And we do that, but we don't do that on Sundays. We do that in small groups. And small group registration starts tomorrow. So you want to get on journeyoral.com, find a group, get around people, and then you take it off and you say, hey, this is what's going on in my life and I need some help. It's not going to happen week one. It's probably going to happen week four or five because by that time you figured out that the people you're with are just as broken as you are. And you're like, oh, you got worse issues than me. I can tell you my thing. I can tell you my thing because your thing's way worse. Third thing is you got to discover your purpose. And we do that through Next Steps. Next Steps is a class that we give at 1230, right over here to the corner. And we go through your spiritual gifts test, your personality test. We try and identify why you're placed on this earth. And then we help. And once you know what you're here to do, the stress falls off. Because you know, I'm just doing it. I don't care when the timer runs out. Because I am, and this is the last thing, making a difference. We had 20 people graduate from Next Steps this past Sunday on step four. And now they're serving on teams. And it's amazing to see their eyes light up because they're making a difference in the lives of other people. When you're making a difference on a weekly basis, every Sunday, making a difference, you know, it just, it just, it frees you. That time is off. Let me talk real quickly to the people who feel like they know what their purpose is, but they're not living it. You know that you're created for a greater thing, but you don't feel like you're doing the greater thing. You see these four things? Here's, this is a function, and I have, to, I have to emphasize this, not a career. Because some people are looking at your career, and it's contradicting your calling, and you think that because you're not in the career that you've lost your calling. And that's not how it works. Your function is something you do every day. So you have to understand whether you're working in a toll booth, whether you're a teacher at a university, whether you're a realtor, in every day you can know God. Every day you can find freedom. Every day you can take a step deeper into your purpose. And every day you can make a difference. You are living your purpose today. Your purpose is not for tomorrow. Your purpose is today. Your function happens today. When you wake up in the morning, you step into your function. Your job is actually a shadow. It's what pays the bills, but it's not the main function. The function are these things right here, to know God more, to find freedom, to discover purpose. Listen, there's someone at our church who I love dearly, a close friend of mine. He's a banker. Banker. And I guess he's a good banker. I don't, I don't know how he bad ones. I don't know. He's good at everything, so he's probably a good banker. Had someone walk into his branch, hadn't been to church in 10 years. She's opening up her bank account, and at the end of the bank account process, he says, do you go to church? You just moved here. Do you go to church? you have a church you go to? She said, no, I haven't been in church so long. Long story short, he invites her. She comes to church the next Sunday. I told him he couldn't believe it. She came to church the next Sunday, brought her family, the whole family, not only were they moved in the service, recommitted their lives to prayer, the whole family was in next steps, ready to join the team the very next Sunday. But I didn't tell you about this guy is that he knows he's called to be a pastor. 
But he didn't let his career divert him from his calling. Because it's not about the title that you possess. It's about the function that possesses you. You got a function that is bigger than your job. You got a function that is bigger than your school. You got a function that is bigger than your, 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 your promotion. You got a function that is bigger than your marital status. You got a function. And when you begin to live in that function, the stress falls off your life. The anxiety falls off your life. Because you don't care what time the timer hits zero. I don't know when this right ends. But I want to make the most of every second that I got living in the function that God has put inside of me. Amen? Amen. At this point, I'm supposed to be kind of wrapping up and closing, but I got one more point. You need to hear it. So, but to let you know that I really am wrapping up, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. We'll, we'll close with this. I just want to read you a quick scripture if I can. As you're standing, it'll be on the screen. Here's the last thing you need to do. So you got to clarify your fountain. You got to clarify your function. Hear me out. You got to clarify. This is the big one. This is the biggest one. Your future. Everybody say your future. Well, say my future. You gotta clarify your future. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. 2 Corinthians 4:10. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. 16 through 18. Listen to this, and we'll wrap it up. So we do not lose heart. So I'm stressed, but I'm not anxious. I'm stressed, but I'm not anxious. Why? We do not lose heart. Because though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I'm gonna tell you something that I have not told anyone. Just my wife, she's the one who knows this. And after this, I guess this will be public knowledge. Some of you are gonna think I'm weird. I don't care, it's what I do. And it's the one thing that keeps me from being anxious. On my phone, I have a certain video that I go to every time when anxiety begins to settle in. What do you think that video is of? Some might say it must be a video of you preaching to 2,000 young people in New York City. No, I was there, but that doesn't bring me peace. Oh, it must be a video of the baptisms outside, watching people who didn't know Jesus come back to life. You must have, no, I was there, but it's not what gives me peace. What's the video? The video that I have on my phone, when my, when my baby son passed away, some people know that she's been here for a long time. We had a lot of first time guests, and so I'll share it. When our son died, he was born, died seven hours later. We didn't get to see him alive because they were trying to keep him alive. But when he came out of the womb, we had 15 seconds. And so I grabbed my phone and I opened up my video and I recorded my son for the 15 seconds that he didn't have any tubes in him. Because after that, he was just covered in machines. I went to my phone and for 15 seconds, I saw him with no tubes, beautiful, struggling to breathe. He didn't have, his lungs had not fully formed. So he's struggling for life, struggling for life, but I got it. Would you believe that is the video that I play whenever I get anxious? Why? Three things. One, it reminds me of what's important. Two, it reminds me of my, what I've overcome. Sometimes you got to look to your past to prepare you for your future. But three, here's the thing. 
it reminds me of just how short life is. Paul said, I'm able to get through it because my trouble compared to eternity is nothing. And when I look at him who was on this earth for seven hours and then went to heaven, I think, you know what, seven hours isn't a lot of time, but 70 years isn't a lot of time either compared to eternity. Compared to eternity. I tried to think of a way that I can illustrate it to you. I thought about bringing the seesaw out. And I was like, hey, your, your anxiety, I get it. It's tough. And I thought about you know, putting anxiety on one side and then putting you know, eight people on this side and being like, you know, you know, God's glory outweighs your anxiety. But I thought it wouldn't do it. Then I thought about showing you a picture of the stars in the sky. Because you know there's a reason why we can't see the stars in the daytime, right? You know why you can only see stars at night but not during the day? Because the glory of the sun literally outshines the brightness of the stars. You can't even see the stars because the sun is so bright. Yeah. And then I thought, there is nothing I can do to illustrate it because there is no comparison. I'm not telling you that your problem doesn't matter. I'm telling you that it doesn't compare to the glory that is waiting for you on the other side of eternity. It doesn't compare. It doesn't compare. Maybe you're here today and you've never made that decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't know what it means because your eternity is not secure. Maybe you say, hey, I'm really hearing this for the first time, but I'd like to make a decision today to secure my eternity. I want to give my life to Jesus. What does that mean? That means just telling him, hey, I've made some bad choices, but I want to make a good choice today. I want to give my life to him and I want to follow him for the rest of my life. I want the Prince of Peace to quell my anxious storm. If that's you, let's give a moment of privacy. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you and you're in this building, this afternoon, I want to count to three. When I count to three and you identify as that individual, I need peace in my life. I want you to shoot your right hand up to the sky as a signal. Are you ready that you want Jesus in your life? You want a fresh start. You want the Prince of Peace. If that's you, ushers, get ready. One, two, three. Shoot your right hand up high. Come on, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see it. I see it. I see it. Come on, we got about 15 people right now saying, Lord Jesus, make my heart your home. Amen. Hey, church, can we pray together with them? If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me, and your church family is going to pray it with you as well. Heavenly Father, I understand life is short. Eternity is waiting, and I want to be prepared. Thank you for preparing a place for me, a place that makes small everything I'm going through today. And so I don't look to the things I'm going through, I look to you, Jesus. Live inside my heart. Forgive me for my past. I want to start making better choices. The first choice being having a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up one more time. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to hear how this ministry is impacting your life. If you have any prayer requests or would like to share your testimony, please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. Our team will be ready to celebrate and pray with you. If God is using this ministry to bless you in any way, you can help us spread the word by making an investment today. You can give at journeyorl.com forward slash give or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a blessed week.